Hi, everybody. And tonight we we're reviewing Mank. Mank is the new film on Netflix from David Fincher. It's been in the works for a very long time. It was written by his father, Jack Fincher, uh, who has been dead for many years because it was written <laughs> almost 20 years ago. So uh, it's a movie about old things written a long time ago by old people. And it's, you know, it's, it's looking old. Uh, who knew about this going in? Uh, I'll start with Mama K. Any, any idea what Mank was was about? Yeah, no, I didn't hear anything about this movie until you said we're doing a movie called Mank. By David Fincher. Surprising, but uh, Nicole, any anything at all? Any... Seamsies. Right. So, <laughs> Mank, I'll read the synopsis. It's easier than me trying to explain any further. 1930s Hollywood is reevaluated through the eyes of scathing social critic and alcoholic screenwriter Herman J. Mankiewicz as he races to finish the screenplay of Citizen Kane. It's another movie about Citizen Kane. Everyone, I think, listening knows what Citizen Kane is. It's widely regarded as one of the greatest movies of all time. Directed, starring, produced by Orson Welles, but written by this man. Herman J. Mankiewicz, or Mank for short, played by Gary Oldman in this movie. I'm assuming everyone... Nicole, I don't think you've seen Citizen Kane, but you know what Citizen Kane is, correct? Uh, I mean, don't ever assume. I thought that Mama K would have taught you that. (laughs) Um, I I heard of it before, but to be honest, I've never seen it, and I, until we watched this and Brian gave me the rundown of what it is, did not know the premise. Or even when it was made, or who made it, or anything like that. I say at this time, I'm still not sure if you entirely know the premise, but uh, well, well, okay, I'm assuming you've (laughs) seen Citizen Kane before, right? Yes. Well, you know, like Nicole said, I'm surprised that your mother didn't tell you about assuming. Um, You guys, are are you guys kidding me right now? Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you right now. Citizen Kane was one of those things that when I was little, I was like, oh, this movie's so. I pulled a jest. This movie is too old to watch. No. I do know the premise, however. Uh, I have been to Hearst Castle, so, you know, there's that. Okay, um, all right. So I, I, I have seen Citizen Kane, like uh, most uh, people who talk about movies, I would have thought did. But, you know, I think that's it our... always comes up on the list, like you said. Whenever they have the top 100, top 1,000, top whatever list, top it's one. always on it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's uh, I've seen it, I think, two two times all the way through. Um you know, it's 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 it is old, but it's still it's still pretty good. It's I would not consider it the best of all time, but I understand it's it's ranking. Um, I I like some of Orson Welles' other movies actually more than this one. Uh, this one being Citizen Kane. Mank, though, uh, if you have not yeah. seen it, it's on Netflix. Uh, again, don't know how awards are going to work this year, but I bet this will be up for some because it's of an course. old it's an old Hollywood movie. So. Hollywood loves to nominate old Hollywood movies. So, Mank on Netflix. Go check it out. Hollywood style. It's not old. It it is also old Hollywood style, but, like, it's about old Hollywood. Hollywood likes movies about Hollywood. Oh, I see. Yeah. On Netflix. Go check it out. We're going to spoil it now. We rate things here at Films with Women in My Life based on four criteria, and those are the plot, the characters, the visual and sound, and the overall resonance and feel of the movie. We bounce between mostly two time periods the first one that we're introduced to is 1940 where uh herman mankiewicz uh is mostly confined to a bed after a car accident and he is forced in this small house to write uh, a screenplay for orson welles which turns out to be citizen kane uh he has a couple of assistants who live in with him like a maid and uh someone who like 
uh, just a general assistant. Uh, this house is kind of in the middle of nowhere, off the beaten path, so he can focus on his writing and not uh, all of his problems and alcoholism and, and his temperament that got him in the, some, somewhat on the outs of many major studios. Uh, we learn about that when we flash back to 1930 and a progression up to present day, uh, where Herman is working at Paramount Studios with a bunch of other uh, writers, and we meet a couple of different executive characters... And we basically learn about his his life during the 30s when he's a prominent writer and uh, has a clashing clashing personality styles, I guess, with some of the the, the big wigs in charge of things up to the point where he writes uh, Citizen Kane, which is based off a man named William Randolph Hearst, who is also portrayed in this movie by Charles Dance. Uh, and uh, we're going to learn more about him and uh, his inspiration for writing this. So yeah, it's a 10-year period of Manx's life. What do you think of this plot, Mama Kay? Oh, thanks for coming to me first. Um, <laughs> it was either you or Nicole. I had two choices. <laughs> uh, right? No, you. You. I, I think you. I think you went the right right way. Um, maybe. Um, the plot of this movie is really um, confusing. There's a lot of men that I cannot keep straight. And they all have three names. They. They all have, except for Mank, who has a very short one name. And I like to think of him as like Hank Mank. That's what I was thinking to keep myself awake the whole time. It's overly self-indulgent, overly self-indulgent. Sorry. After coming off of my David Fincher pick of social network, this is not my cup of tea and it's not the filmmaking part of it at all, because I think later on we'll talk about it and that's probably going to be an okay piece. But this plot, I just couldn't, I couldn't get into the, beginning of it because everybody's just doing soliloquies the whole time and talking and talking and i'm like shut the fuck up and say something (laughs) because they're all just talking and not saying anything yeah you're right hollywood's gonna love this because it's vapid it's all about them uh yeah uh the plot of this movie is a two nicole (laughs) (laughs) it's uh... Well, devastated. Well, <laughs> um, I have to say, like when you watch a movie like this, if you don't have like the slightest bit of, I don't know, interest in older Hollywood and how things ran in like the beginning of these production agencies and all these things, like then I don't think this movie will give you any excitement and i totally agree with the mama case saying like there's so much conversation that literally has nothing to do with anything (laughs) i mean if you look at what the base of this movie is supposed to be is we're watching this writer write a film for another guy and it becomes popular and there's probably half the movie i want to say that doesn't even matter well to get to that outcome but we need to see like just how hollywood worked at that time and who knew who and who was working behind someone else's back and who was you know trying to keep themselves in the limelight like that kind of shit and like i said if you don't have any interest in this like it's really not going to peak anything for you and like i was quite bored myself um when you said that you made a little 
thing to keep yourself awake. I didn't even get that far. I was just, I think we had to take an intermission because I was not invested in the story. <laughs> um, it's not something that, that interests me because I don't really quite care about these older people that had more money than they should have had when it's like the time of the depression and they even said something about like coming off of prohibition but these guys still have enough booze to kill himself with like it just uh, the this like aura that they give off of being so pretentious and so high society is so off-putting like i i don't care for this type of person at this time anyway hmm if you're into that, you know, if you if you enjoy watching how something big like Citizen Kane came to be, I don't know how accurate this is, of course, but like if you want, if you like to see the backstory of the story and see what events led up to this guy wanting to write a movie about this other guy and everything, if that tickles your fancy, then you'll probably be into it. But um, I'm gonna give it a two, also. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I I hear I hear the complaints. I uh, I, I recognize. <laughs> I feel them. I I feel them a little too. I feel them a little, not obviously okay. as much as you guys, but uh, this is um, it there's so it's very warm and cozy for me because I like watching old movies. This is written and filmed. Like it's not just black and white; it's filmed like a movie from that era, and it's yeah, written like a movie from old forties, fifties Hollywood. Um, because every everyone talks like everyone's trying to one like it's b- written by writers trying to one up each other, and a lot of the characters are writers trying to run up one one up each other, and in those scenes, I think it works better. There are parts of this movie I do not care for. Most of it has to do with him actually writing the the play when he's in or when he, writing the movie in his in the little cottage i find yeah. that half less interesting only interesting points there is when he has talks with orson when he has anything to do with orson i think it's more interesting because i know orson wells the the person or not i obviously didn't know him but like i know a lot about him and i've seen a bunch of stuff on him i think he's a really interesting person and probably a complete nightmare to work with um, and I like a lot of the stuff when he's w- talking in big rooms with Randolph, William Randolph Hearst, like sitting on like the head of the table or on kind of a throne almost. And, um, you have all these other smaller characters like the daughter and, uh, like, uh, the, the MGM guy, uh, Louis B. Mayer, uh, bar- uh, all barking at each other. There's some scenes in here I really like with all that, um, so I guess I, I would have liked the flashback more. I, I guess I would I didn't need the flashback to be the flashback. I kind of wanted that to be the main movie. And then we lead into 1940, cut a lot of that. Like, I don't know if we need the Lily Collins probably would have been better. And then, yeah. because I still want the Orson stuff, and I still want some other house stuff. It's just too much house stuff. It's two hours and 15 minutes, and I think we could have got away with an hour 45, and I've been perfectly fine and still got the the point across. Things I like in this are actually not the plot-related, I guess. So I'll, I'll give the plot, like, a, I guess, like a three. It's, it feels a little low, but uh, I'll probably it'll probably be made up with other things. Just because, like, I don't think this, it's confusing for me. I can tell when we are and where we are, but it's just uh, 
it's not it's there's too much stuff in here i, I would i would cut i guess i'm kind of with nicole in that way uh the characters I'm not though confu- i'm not well i'm not confused about the, like those kind of things like the flashbacks or flash forwards or whatever you want to call them in this movie but i because i think they're very literal with it every time you're flashing to something that's not you know the current victorville house it's they tell you exactly what date it is so uh most of the time i think maybe there's a couple well yeah with the literal like like it's typing like a script at the bottom they'll they'll say like interior house 1940 you know whatever yeah so that's yeah i don't think that's i think it's just the the consummate amount of talking and i do think like you said i think it is more effective when he's in a room with a lot of people or when he was early in the movie when he was in the room with the other writers um Mm -hmm. i'm okay with that i'm okay with all of that talking over each other because you're right they're all writers everyone wants to be heard not unlike now when there's a lot of writers on a script now you it's 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 a script that's been that's going to have some issues when you're watching the movie back then it was there's a lot of that going on like that was pretty much what happened yeah it's it's the big it's the bigger scenes that work better when it's one-on-one i think it becomes like stifling and not uh it doesn't it boring because it's too much of him just talking and i don't even know what you're saying well even the talk. people he's speaking to the way they speak it doesn't feel like it feels like it's written back then and not and that's that's the purpose of it and that's that's what it wants to feel like and that's why i feel warm and cozy while i'm watching it but it's not um i feel like when i'm watching those movies we're like oh this is a nice time of things i don't think anyone would like to watch movies like this anymore except for people like me who specifically right. want that feeling um, which is why the plot isn't the strength. Uh, characters, Mank is the man, and then we've got a couple of women in his life. Uh, and then we have uh, <laughs> some of the big bads. I won't even try to name all the people, because other than Mank, everyone's got all kinds of names. I don't know, names. Point out who you want to point out. Uh, Nicole? Yeah. Uh, um, the people, like... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The people like in the beginning where you're when you were just just talking about the scenes in like the boardrooms and stuff. I don't even remember those. I, I do remember them happening, but I don't remember any of the conversation. I don't remember if it was instrumental to the plot. So I mean, to all those people to me are like insignificant. I know they were trying to set the scene with it was so competitive and shit, but like, ugh, I don't even I don't even remember any of that conversation. Um. <laughs> When when I when it gets to your turn, I want you to know. I want I want you to answer who you think in this movie is going to be up for some sort of nomination. Because if I can mm. say um, who I think, I really don't think anybody should. To be honest with you, I don't I don't see how this could be any sort of nominated uh, person. Oh, role the Academy category. is going to love this. This will get know. best picture. Yeah. This will get best actor. This will get best screenplay. Cinematography. Uh, probably, yeah. I know, but I'm not talking Costume. about those things. Okay, yeah. Brennan, I'm talking about the people in it. Jesus. It's going to get best actor and actress, probably. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't like that. Are you talking about um, Amanda Seyfried? Yeah. Because, I mean, her character is fine, and I like her little like t- parts in the movie I like, I like her conversation but she's not like oh my god she was so good like i don't know she was just there um, she doesn't have a lot to do none of the women have a lot to do in this movie which i think is classic for a movie I, I, and i can't Hoover. 
and I can't tell if she's supposed to be some sort of flirty love interest when we obviously know his wife is there and supportive, even though he's an asshole and he's alcoholic and calls her poor Sarah to every person he ever meets, you know, but they have, they still have that, that relationship. I think that she's like the hero of this movie. That the she wife. still stays with this guy. <laughs> yeah. Poor Sarah. Um, yeah. yeah, poor Sarah. I like, yeah. I like her. I like her character. Um, she feels the most relatable. The person, the, the person I actually, that, that I think, acts the best in this or is the best character is um mayor i think that he's just that he's a he's a top gun in the in the in the business with mgm and he can he's so slimy and persuasive when we get the scene where he's telling all of his workers that they need to cut their wages in half you know you know he really plays it (laughs) up really well he's like shedding a tear almost with them and the fact that he can get them all to stand up and clap that he did so well and oh only half yay like that that like (laughs) connivingness of him is really good like i think he does a good job of just showing how cutthroat all this can be and we even know that mank and his brother are still making 1500 and 750 respectively a week and these people are like oh what do you mean i'm getting my wages cut in half and these rich assholes are back here like oh you did a great job with that speech um some so, of those people were rich assholes too though i mean some of those people were some of the top actors yeah uh, that's in true. his company so but then they were also they said the something about but what about the grips and the stage yeah things yeah. like that so you can only imagine how much they're making a week with the fact that it would be so detrimental to them but um like so mayor is probably my, my favorite character in the whole thing actually i like him and i i like the wife and i also like the typist for the for the script um his like assistant that lives with him that lives with mank i think that she is a good yeah. balance yeah i think that she can handle his assholeness and at the same time you know she still has her own um she's her own person like i like her i actually as much as Brennan thinks I don't like women and things, the women are my favorite part of this movie because everybody else is so <laughs> uptight and I hate them all. Because um, <laughs> they're worst part about men, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I I don't see eye to eye with people that, that say this would have the best actor and actress for, but I guess I'm not the one that's in the Academy to make that decision. So um, I'm going to give it a three point five i guess that's pretty Seems high generous yeah uh, i'm okay the characters so i don't know anything about this mank fella and for him to this mank fella <laughs> i'm trying to use the colloquialisms of the time um this fella so i don't have any preconceived notions i think i have that about you know some of the other major characters that that are in it um the hearst and Marion Davies and Louis B. Mayer. But he, this guy comes off as a, you know, he's really too big for his own britches. And, and I think that he wants us to sympathize with him as a character. Um, sort of like he's not getting his due and he's being, you know, taken advantage of by Orson Welles and by the studios and, you know, the studios in that time, that's just what they did. They, you know, you had players that were um, dedicated to the studios and you had to do whatever it is that they wanted you to do. I don't know. I just feel like he's, you know, he's super self-indulgent. I feel like maybe he's David Fincher, period. 
Yeah. And Gary Oldman really chews the scenery a little bit in this. He's a little Meryl Streepy for me. Um, it's a lot. And I don't think the the magnitude of his character in real life... You should life... clarify that you don't think Meryl Streep... You think she's overrated. So by saying Meryl Streep, you oh, don't sorry, mean yeah. one of the greatest actresses of all time. No, I mean... Overrated. <laughs> right. If anybody's listened to us, I, I find that her characters are redundant is what it is. I think I figured it out. One day I was thinking about it because I was kind of like getting down on the fact that I was, you know, being super mean to Meryl. And I think she's probably a fine person, but... Um, that a lot of her characters just seem the same to me. So that's, and for me, for, you know, for everybody to give such big kudos, you got to be a little more groundbreaking in the choice of your roles. Meryl so. Streep and Gary Oldman can play like the super evil duo couple in something. And it <laughs> totally makes sense. <gasps> Fantasy Island 2. Oh, why would you use that as the... <laughs> it would be funny. You're not, I mean, that's for real. So, um... Because I don't know this fella, and I think he's being super overplayed in this movie, uh, it's hard for me. I know he's going to get a nom. Uh, depending on what else is nominated, he could get a win pretty easily, I think, in this year. So yeah. uh, I, I don't know. Um, I think that there's buzz about the Amanda Seyfried character getting a nom, too, which I, I have trouble with because, because this movie... Well, Nicole's mad because, because I don't think there's a whole lot out there, you know, and I think that people are going to be because people in the business are going to love this movie and they're the ones who make the nominations and they're the ones who vote. We just sit and watch it in January or whenever next year, April. I don't know. Uh, what was I saying about her character? I, I think because of the, the way that this movie is made and it is made to look like something that was made in the 30s or 40s the women don't get to do very much in this film. And I think that that's hard to give it, you know, a lot of credence because it doesn't play right for us in, you know, almost a hundred years later. So the characters that I liked beyond that, I agree with Nicole. I love the Louis Bumer character because he's reprehensible and totally representative of what it used to be and probably still is. I mean, yeah. I mean do you if think you Harvey think Weinstein in... is very different right. from any of these characters? Probably not. Um, right. I, I, I do... think we actually referenced him when we were talking about it, me and Brennan, because we said something about, uh, I forget what it was, saying about the Jewish people in Hollywood and, you know, a lot of them are in higher levels than others. And, and he said, oh, like Harvey Weinstein. I was like, pretty much. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We were talking about the, the Jewish, about cons- like the, people have that conspiracy theory that like Jewish people control like the media, the banks and everything. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is, oh. this, this is, yeah. But, but we don't believe any of that, by the way. Like, we were just, we were musing no, on that but... as this character, yeah, barked. No, I, I just, I think that he is, his, I think the Louis B. Mayer character was really, um, he was fun to watch. I really did enjoy his performance. Uh, Hurst was pretty, he didn't have a whole lot to do. He was, uh, with the exception of one of the scenes that I really like in this movie is when they're doing, he's doing the, the monkey story analogy. Monkey Grinder uh, is so good. Monkey that's Grinder, the best, one of yeah. the best parts of this that movie. Is, that is, that's a really great scene in this, in this movie. Of, did I see that? It was at the end. <laughs> it was at the end after his drunken outburst at oh, the yeah, big party. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah as he's like walking that. him to the door and basically mm-hmm. telling him, you know, I am the reason that you're here and you're alive, so you better stop what you're doing. Yeah, don't forget, you're the monkey, I'm the organ grinder. Right, and the music plays, you 
you know the you monkey dance, dances right. yeah so yeah. um so i like i like that part of it i feel like if you could have just said that this movie could have been like a Jess pick and it would have been that long, just that scene going down the hallway. And that would have been exactly what this movie is. Um, I was thinking about Jess about half hour. And I was like, I think Jess would quit the show. If I made her watch this, she would never, ever watch yeah, me talk about watch, movies again. <laughs> she would never watch another film. She'd never go to the teetering. movies again. It would be over. Um, I was thinking about it. Yeah. I had, um, I had to put on somebody. <laughs> So the other characters, I thought Lily Collins's character and performance was super flat. I don't know. Um, and again, maybe that's just because that's, is it, was it because it was in the style of these old movies? I don't know. Um, we were supposed to try to care about her a little bit because her husband maybe was killed in, you know, overseas, but you know, surprise at the end, he's alive and nobody cared. It's like, so what? None of that's relevant to anything, and it didn't do anything for her character, I don't think, for me. Oh, maybe um, it was the poor timing. That's when Orson was driving away. She's like, oh, by the way! It was literally when he was, like, <laughs> skidding off. Yeah, so, I mean, my favorite character is a terrible bad guy, but and I think he did a good job. The other ones were really hard for me, like I said in the beginning, being really hard for me to distinguish between who was who and I could tell by the names because I recognized some of the names and and the Orson Welles was, I don't know that was fine uh so I'm gonna be a little less generous with the characters and give them a three it's very odd that Louis B. Mayer is all of our favorite characters oh, very... <laughs> he's so good you, that's for sure but not I, for everybody I, well, else well that's what I'm surprised both of you like because I I understand the it's a black and white bunch of old white guys in suits, and there's like three women. How do I tell these people apart? Like, how am I supposed to even know who's who? <laughs> it took, I kept, the number of times I had to point out who William Randolph Hearst was, because he's like the important, like, that's who Citizen Kane's about. She's like, I'm like, it's that guy right there. She's like, they're all that guy right there. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and they but, all have three fucking names, and I can't, I can't, you can't say. Or the, the, or the middle initial, you know. Or they just call each other by their initials, LB and, you know, yeah. WR. That was dumb. Sorry. Yeah. That's but, like uh, more syllables than just saying the whole name. Right. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, Louis B. Bear's speech, we kind of pointed out the parts that I like with the character moments. That, his speech to the to the workers is really good, and him walk, him furiously walking down the hallway with, uh, with, the, with uh, uh, Manx in tow. Um, oh, my gosh. And that, like, I like so that. That. That's a good, as as a good scene and a good, good performance. I liked uh, Tom Burke's Orson Welles pretty well. He sounds just like him, which I really appreciate. He plays him more like what I imagine Orson was ten years after Citizen Kane. He doesn't. I this doesn't ring true to who I imagine he was at twenty four. Before that, yeah, yeah, yeah. This seems more like what he would have been in his thirties. Uh, and the man who played him, Tom Burke, is I think in his mid thirties, so maybe that was part of it. Um, but he seemed like a mid-career Orson, not a not a just getting out Young. of radio Orson. Yeah, because yeah. that's what his big thing was before Susan Kane was War of the Worlds and a bunch of stage plays and radio stuff. So that was is, part of the was... problem with this movie in general was like some age issues. I think Marion Davies well, and and like Orson Welles were were pretty much the same age in real life, and that's not what it played like on here. And I think the same with Mank is if he was in the same age range, you know, that's not what it played like on here. I don't know how old Mank was supposed to be in here because I mean Gary Oldman. Forty-five. Forty-five. Okay, yeah. Oh, oh that's, that's right. right. You're right. That that. One. Yeah. I was like forty-five. He Gary Oldman's 65. like 
I was going to say, I think Gary Oldman might be, he's 62. So 70. Gary Oldman's, he's not 70, he's 62. Um, oh, sorry. He can play, play someone that looks 75, so it just doesn't make sense. Well, he was worn. He was very worn. I mean, yeah, he did play uh, uh, Churchill, Churchill a couple years ago, yeah. so different different makeup situation um the i think marion davies like amanda seafried's the my favorite of the women characters she gets the most to do she's more she's in more interesting scenes like the scene uh where it's this big giant room and hearst is on the throne and mayor i like his uh comparison to, like, he calls him like iago at some point like he's like the he's the barking uh like like animal sidekick to hearst who just does his bidding and, and like whenever he is really right. shitting on Hearst, and Hearst just kind of sits back and doesn't say anything, while Mayor's the one like, "How dare you! Like we yeah. we own your life. You own this man everything. Like I, that's why Mayor's so good and when he's animated. Um, and yeah, Hearst doesn't do anything until he does something. But I think that's kind of a good choice to keep him the silent in the background. And then at the end, he's just like, you know, like, oh, that was very very nice little thing you gave there. But just know, I'm still I'm still the big <laughs> man. Like, and that's why you know." Mank writes this whole screenplay about you. You're you may be the big man, but you're also a sad, lonely little man. So, um, characters are kind of all over the place. Yeah, and then every other every other guy is just kind of every other guy. I kind of am on board with you guys there. Like uh, they don't they don't stick out. Also, Bill and I uh, made a cameo as Upton Sinclair. I don't know if you guys yeah recognized. I didn't... That. I- it looked like him. I, I was like, that, that guy looks like Bill Nye. And then I was like, oh, they put Bill Nye as Upton Sinclair. I mean, I guess he's the He's the, the the super liberal opponent to Mayor, so that kind of makes sense. But well, uh, important characters... for the plot of the other movie, not this movie. Do you know what I mean? I feel like they pulled way too much of that into this, um, and it didn't pay off for me. The so. big political middle part. Yeah, that's the, yeah. That's the big middle chunk of the flashback. Is the is the but that's where he becomes more disillusioned. Is when he's trying his hand is trying to be forced to support a candidate in a campaign he doesn't want to and that's why he that's the that's the not the beginning of his disillusion but that's what pushes him over the edge to just like you guys are a bunch of big bullies with your money and your studios and trying to push me around even though he's not exactly the little guy but uh, exactly that's but he's littler than them so that's why oh yeah i thought you were saying bill nye not Bill Nye. No, the science guy. <laughs> not the Wait gooey, not the gooey guy. <laughs> Wait a minute. Which one was Upton Sinclair? Wait, Bill you thought Nye, it was? You thought I said guy. Bill Nye, not Bill Nye. I thought you said Bill Nye, like the gooey guy. Me too. No, the science guy, not the gooey guy. Oh. <laughs> I just looked it up. Bill Nye, science guy. Yes. <laughs> I'm giving the characters a four. I don't. I, we, we've spent plenty of time on this uh, visual and sound. Yeah. This is where you know That's the actual yeah. things are. I'm okay. Okay, so this this part of the movie is like fantastic. It's so good. Uh, I wish I wanted to watch it. Um, <laughs> even though I did, I did because this reminds me of Grapes of Wrath. Um, there's some Casablanca sh- thrown in. I'm sure if I would have seen the original um, Orson Welles movie, which I'm... Citizen Kane. It? Yeah, Citizen Kane, that one. Yeah, it would I'm really sure help I... this. I think it would really help if you guys had seen <laughs> Citizen Kane, but uh, whatever. I don't know if it would have helped or not, honestly, because, I mean, uh. I've seen enough 1940s-ish movies to get the, the genre down, and... You know, he got it down on this. the the sound The sound. 
uh, it's not soundtrack, but whatever's going on in the sound and the mixing and all of that just felt like I was watching <laughs> a really old anti-Jess movie. So um, <laughs> it's Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross again, the the usual yeah. collaborators with. Yeah, but Richard. they're I mean, you always associate them with like electric music and stuff like that. And that's not what this is. This is like band music and brass and. You know, it's, it is, it sounds exactly like it should. And the choice of black and white is, you know, it's perfect, but it's, and it's refreshing. I think it would, this would have played really hard at the actual movies as opposed to watching it at home. I don't think, I think the box office for this would have been really low because I don't know that anybody has, besides people who see films, has a tolerance for this kind of thing well i'm looking at um like because you know that this came on netflix so they do like the top the top tens on the per per day and it was comparing mm-hmm. it to other like high profile big big budgeted directors and actors you know so it compared it to, to five bloods trial of chicago seven and hillbilly elegy all of which debuted on second place and uh, stayed on the top 10 for days. And this one was on like the bottom of the top 10 on the first day and has not been on the top 10 since. So, I mean, it also yeah. looks old. Like, pe- like, and you look at like the beginning, it doesn't just look old like it looks old. Uh, it doesn't just look old because it's a black and white. It looks old because it literally is filmed and scored and and yeah. shot like a movie from then so yeah right it's super like super flat looking you know everything about it reminds me it tw- there's a little bit of like 12 angry men i can see in this so like it that but for me that's the fun part of this movie is that he i think he really knocked it out of the park in in this respect if that was and i'm sure it was uh what he was going for so uh this is where i've got to give it big props i think it's exactly what it looks like um, and this for me is a five. Nicole? I, I too think this is the best part of this movie. Um, they did a really great job of bringing us to the time period um, while still keeping it modern enough. You know, obviously the way that it looks is so crisp and beautiful that it enhances the black and white that much more. I like the, the costumes as well. Um, I think that they are really nice. And I think that they are really great for the time period also. Oh, you didn't like Amanda um, Seyfried's costume at but that I one didn't dinner. Like, <laughs> Which one was her? Which? Well, I was going to say is uh. I didn't like <laughs> the the dinner scene when um, Mank goes off and he's drunk and he calls out Hearst and has the, the big spiel. I don't get – it must have been like a real – celebratory fun dinner that they had planned because she was wearing like a marching band outfit and he was wearing <laughs> mayor was wearing like a safari hat and nicole wearing, missed and like, when these... they talked about the theme yeah <laughs> i didn't know this was a themed dinner <laughs> the theme was a circus theme <laughs> no, I didn't makes a that. little <laughs> makes a little more sense. <laughs> yeah, but okay. like, I didn't I like mean, the fact that she wore a drum majorette costume to dinner. That's hysterical. No, oh, I so far, yeah. the well, <laughs> <laughs> well Brandon told me that. Um, <laughs> I, I should have told you what happened in the movie. She was wearing that big ass hat to dinner, but that makes more fucking sense. Now. <laughs> 
<laughs> now I need to reevaluate if I think it looks good or not. Yeah, I mean, they were really cool costumes. I just didn't get it because I, I obviously missed a, a key part of the conversation that they were supposed to be wearing the safari hat and whatever. But no, I I liked all that. I liked the background scenes that we get when he walks onto the set for the first day and yeah, they show the cool, dolly and, and everything like that. That was pretty cool. This is obviously the best part of the movie. Um, the music is fine. I, music never stands out to me. I mean, I obviously hear the music in this and it just, I guess it kind of just sounds old, you know, good old. It's just, it fits in just fine. So I'll give it a four. Yeah, uh, this is the warm and fuzzies of it all. Like, this is what makes me, it's like, ah, nice, nice, warm, fuzzy old movie. Because it, it, I mean, (laughs) I've already said everything, how looks, shot, scored, everything like old movie. Uh, Things that Wawake didn't mention that I I agree with pretty much everything she said, but things, uh, other additional things. The every time a scene ends, it like does that cut fade where and then yeah. a fade, it, it does a fade out and then a fade in like like right. like an old fade out fade in nowadays. You know, there's all these different styles of doing things, but it plays it just like and we're closing this reel and here comes the next part of the the, the reel. Right. Um, and the what was the the other part I was gonna oh uh, when he's getting drunk at the um at the uh, when they're reading the announcements for who won the election uh, between... Oh, between yeah, yeah, yeah. And and they're, it's like doing that swirly, like, it's almost like it's a picture and they're just like shaking the picture slowly, like waving it back and forth in front of the camera. And like, it looks, it looks uh, like, like spirally and yeah. downward. And that's specific, that specifically felt, uh, felt of the time. It's, it's basically because it hits so well of how movies used to look, but also, you know, not looking grainy and, and like it still does, it does the fake uh, cigarette burns in the top corner. Um, I don't think it really like, I think, I think this was shot on film, but I don't think it, they obviously don't need to do that anymore. Yeah. It looks, it looks great. It's the best part of the movie. I will give this part of five as well. I'm I'm with Wawa It's, it's where it succeeds. Uh, The end of the movie. uh, Everyone's trying to convince, uh, her, uh, not her, uh, Mank, that, uh, he should not, uh, he should change the screenplay because, uh, Hearst does not like it. I mean, he gets all the different people who show up, his brother, Marion. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't like that it's putting, uh, him in a bad light. Uh, but he's like, but they're like, oh, you gotta change it. And then he's like, I'm not gonna change it. And they're like, all right. Oh, by the way, it's the best thing you've ever written. Um, <laughs> pretty much everyone who shows up to him tells him. And then the ending, ending. Uh, we already did the the monkey allegory with the organ grinder and the monkey. Um, the ending, ending. Uh, Wells shows up and he's like, oh, I love the script. And uh, we got a good buyout deal from the studio. And he's like, I want credit for the script because I was not part of the original deal. And he's like. Uh, this is not you can't do this, and then he f- destroys the whole room. And Meg's like, "That's a good idea. You should put that in the script." And uh, yeah. that that's part of the Citizen Kane is the scene where uh, where he destroys the room and tears everything apart. Uh, in the end, we fast forward to 1942, and uh, the, it has been uh, it wins Academy Award for Best Screenplay, and Wells and and Mank are both not there to accept it. Um, so it's accepted by the studio head. Kind of fitting too that the studio head's the one who accepts it for the, exactly. the two artists. Yeah, the, the the even though the two artists didn't agree, the two people who actually put the creative work behind it, uh, and it, we get uh, final uh, sound recordings over. It's like 
old footage kind of things, but basically we'll get one from yeah. Wells and one from Mank. They don't agree on who wrote, like Mank's like, I wrote it and he took credit in so many words. Uh, and, and yeah, Wells does not have a good relationship with Mank anymore after this. So we end with a little thing telling us about Mank and that he died from drinking a lot. Uh, he was pretty young. He's like 55. <laughs> the yeah. end. Uh, resonance <laughs> and feel, Nicole? Uh, yeah, your wrap-up was probably ten times better than the amount of time it took for us to get to that. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it was... A lot of talking. It, it's a lot of talking, absolutely, lot and talking. it's a lot of bullshit that if you're not a true movie appreciator that you're just don't give a shit about these appreciator. people <laughs> like, like i don't care about these people i don't know how groundbreaking this movie is i don't know if these people were the stepping stone for other people i'm sure they were but to me i don't care about it so to watch some drunkard like write the best movie of all time sounds like it should be fun but it's really wasn't that fun <laughs> like it was just like, and he no. wasn't that drunk I mean, the only time he was really drunk during the writing, he was sleeping. So right, he took the over <laughs> overly uh, spiked wine or whatever the fuck it was. Um, so I think it was, a type of, I think it was a, like a barbiturate mix. I don't think it, it was, was. Just wine. But it's like, why did they have it there though? They knew this guy was trying to dry out, and they have this gigantic box of of Trank. you know. It's, yeah, a purple drank sitting over there on the side, ready for him. <laughs> I like the, the guy that came in and brought the coffee table sized box of alcohol, and everyone was like, oh, "That's so bad." And he's like, "Just shut the fuck up and drink it with me." And they were, and the two women were like, "Okay, he's like that's fine." Well, the one um, woman will do whatever he says because he like saved your village. That was a nice, yeah, whatever, drop line. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> Um, this movie's kind of boring. It's not my taste. If if you're not die hard as Brennan has made himself, you know, seem in this with this particular well, style of movie, what I, you know, you're what not gonna, I say you're not going to really appreciate it as much as is probably supposed to be appreciated. And like I said, I don't know why this is up for well, this that, that this may be up for awards because to me, it's just a boring old rich white guy movie and like who needs more of those literally um i don't know uh fell asleep a couple times so that usually knocks it down a couple points um i'm gonna give it like a two (laughs) okay oh wow um yeah i also fell asleep a couple times but it was in the very beginning um so I don't think I missed a whole lot. I'm not yeah, really sure. You guys what you're... get into Mank's secret stash before the uh, before the thing started. No, I probably I... needed it. I would have been on the same level as these people. <laughs> maybe that's it. Maybe I was. Maybe I. I didn't have anything to drink. Then that was the problem. <laughs> um, yeah, it was. You know, you know me. I'm not a big fan and uh, super self indulgent, and that's what this is. I mean, the fact that it was sort of his movie that took forever to get made. And then it took forever to get made is is a frustrating thing to watch, I think, because then that winds up being really just too much. And that's what this movie is. It's it's too much. It's like too much ice cream. It's like too much um, alcohol. 
there's way too much talking when there doesn't need to be like, I, we get it. I get that. I get what all these people are about. I'm not, there's, there's not at any point in time that I don't understand what each character's purpose is and what they're, uh, what they're sent there to do. And Mank is super self-important. And I think if he were as important as he thinks he is in this movie i would have known his name before three days ago so um yeah i you know you say citizen kane i say orson wells i don't say henry mankiewicz henry was his first name so his name really is herman herman Herman. Herman. okay so hank mank is wrong but it's kind of right yeah i'm I'm disappointed that that's what this was because I think this would have been, you know, the way that this was filmed and the thought process behind how to do all this is really fun and exciting. And I would have liked to have seen something, a story that I wanted to, you know, get behind. I guess I just couldn't get behind this secondary guy, uh, you know, thinking that it was all about him. And, and maybe that is true. Maybe that's the story. But he didn't sell it to me like that. It just it, it it's part of it too. I think is Nicole's right. Who cares which rich white guy is getting credit for something? And even back then, it's like everybody was getting credit for everything. And really, the only mm-hmm. people who were getting credit were people that were the big movie, you know, the movie people makers, that could pay the, to put their name on the front of it. Yeah, the the mayors, the Warner Brothers, people like that, RKO Studios. Those were all. That's all that mattered back then. Stars, um, stars mattered. Stars mattered, but only, I mean, yeah, secondary. Well, it's not like because... today. Like, no one back then went and saw something because someone wrote or directed it, where people will do that now. Like, auteur filmmakers didn't come out till I would say, like, the late 50s into the yeah, 60s. Yeah, I was going to say probably the 50s, yeah. There were, yeah, there no, were I, I mean, there are ones from back then that I like, that, but it's more like they just happened to make the movies I liked more so than they, like, had a creative vision that they executed to the end, like other, you know, filmmakers would do later. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I think it's it's just it's yeah, the the whole the whole story was just a little bit over much for me. People talking over one another belong in a certain time frame and in a certain place and they overused it here. Um it's fine on the West Wing, but this just didn't work for me. Um so um probably two and a half for effort. This uh this wasn't as good as I was hoping it was going to be, but I think yeah. it's also but I think it's also better than I should have expected cuz it's a movie that's based on a really old screen like a old screen screenplay written by his dad. That's why David Fincher made made this cuz he's like I've made like a dozen movies and everyone loves them and they've all won awards and they're I have cult favorites and I have studio favorites and I have a pile of awards, and I want to make the movie my dad wanted to make before he died. And then he's like, guess what? I have the clout. I'm David Fincher. I'm one of ten directors living today who can just be like, I want to make this thing. Give me $30 million, and I'm going to make it. And they're like, hey, you're David Fincher. You can do whatever you want. And so he he did it. Um, so on that scale of like a guy just wanting can to do a passion. Can you see the pro- correlation? I'm sorry. Can you see the correlation of how Orson Welles got his, was able to do this stupid thing and how David Fincher's able to do this stupid thing? It doesn't, oh, yeah. it doesn't change. Well, Welles was also not liked by Hollywood. Welles has a big 
Hollywood outsider thing. He got a big complex about himself because he got he the first movie he ever made after a few years was like everyone loves this. This is one of the greatest movies ever. How will he top it? And most would argue he never did because right. He, and then he also became well, has had a horrible second half of his life. He had a whole. Yeah, horrible eating problems, alcoholism. No one would hire him. He had to go to other places. No one would pay to make his stuff. I, I yes, I, I see the correlation to someone being like, "This is my passion project. I want to make this thing." And like, and and you're kind of like, "Well, should you have made only this thing? if you have money?" Yeah. <laughs> well, so, sometimes that's the beginning of a downfall for somebody. Like you're saying, like Orson Welles. That's what happened to him. I'm thinking also somebody like marlon brando the same kind of thing sort of happened to him you know these these are these are cautionary tales that david fincher maybe needs to look at really closely <laughs> well we are saying this but he's going to get a bunch of awards for this so it doesn't matter like like this is a i don't think this is the end of fincher because he made mank i think he's gonna to, he's probably still it's got plenty of big movies left uh, that will do well i know self, but it's like self-awareness <laughs> there is no self-awareness in hollywood are you kidding me <laughs> also this True. is 2020 and that's part of the reason it's going to get what it's going to get i'm going to give uh, the rest of the feel like a three five uh i think it was wor- worth the watch some of the scenes stick out to me good good performances for the most part it's it's a it's a, it is too much at times and that's why it's uh not it doesn't hit my peaks but uh it is a warm co- cozy blanket for someone who likes to watch old movies so uh the uh, what's so we are uh, recommends so uh, I'm okay gonna recommend Mank. I don't. I can't recommend don't this movie. It. I can't. I can't recommend it because people that I know that want to watch films want to watch something about something that they care about, and no one I know is gonna care one shit about this movie. If I even said, but this is cinema cinematographically one of the best movies of the year, it's not gonna matter. Nobody's gonna care. So I can't recommend this movie. Nicole? Um, I actually was talking to a friend of mine and he asked me what I've been watching on on TV recently, our movies. And I said, it was actually the day, it was yesterday, the day after we watched this. And I said, oh, well, I just watched this movie um, called Mank about the writer of citizen kane and you know his story he goes what the fuck is that and i was like okay basically <laughs> I, that, that's exactly the, the response i would expect from somebody like with my level of interest of movies so i was like yeah don't watch that um so no unless you have this specific must know background story of every popular director slash writer slash whatever movie movie producer exactly if you don't have that interest to dive deep then there's absolutely no reason to watch this i mean yeah it's a recommend to anybody who likes film stuff and but that's that's about where the buck stops like this is pretty masturbatory for people who are into film stuff Uh, even oh my god (laughs) yes even even too much for my taste at times. I still enjoyed it. I still thought it was good. I don't think it's gonna. I, I had you know top five aspirations before watching this, and it's not gonna make it there. But um, I still I still liked it quite a bit. Uh, so I'm I'm recommending it. Um, but yeah, if you have if you I, I think really it ends if you don't if you haven't seen Citizen Kane and you don't know who Orson Welles is, that's kind of the beginning of the litmus test. If you don't know who the what those things are. 
you're already not going to like this. Like, already right there is the cut. And then above that, you also have to care about that, not just know what it is. So, right. Um, that's, I think that's the cutting point. And that's kind of, it sounds like that's kind of how it ends with the three of us. It's one recommend and two not recommends for Mank. So that's a little bit of a disappointment, but not, not, it un- also, not the unexpected. The name is disappointing. I, well, I that, that was time. his name. <laughs> well, I know, but I would have a hard time getting, convincing somebody to watch a movie called Mank. Just like, what is that? I thought Brandon was saying mink the whole time we were talking before this. He's like, oh, we're going to watch mink. He's like, it's yeah, two we're going to watch Harvey Mink. Minutes. Yeah, two hours and 45 minutes named mink. I'm like, what the fuck could that possibly be? I had no idea. I could not even make a guess. Oh. Uh... Yeah. So we got more 2020 right. movies coming up, trying to round out the schedule with the last couple of big, somewhat interesting streaming movies, a couple of theater stuff for those who still have theaters. Uh, and then we also have our bonus episodes. We got the draft coming up, the 2020 uh, films draft, where the four of us, the three of us here, and Jess build our, our movie teams of eight. It'll be interesting this year, since the pickings are a little slimmer and there aren't uh, end games and jokers to rest on. It's going to have to be a little bit more yeah. digging. Uh, and then we also have our top five and superlative show that'll be coming out in the beginning of January for our favorite, least favorite, all that kind of stuff of 2020. Uh, so lots of stuff coming up to cram at the end of the year. If you have anything to recommend to us to get to in the new year, films with the women in my life on Facebook, reach out to me on Instagram. I am Brennan underscore pod host, email the show films with the women at gmail.com. And we're also on Twitter at films, women, pod, Thank you guys for enduring Meg. We deserve Meg to we deserve to watch something a Hallmark movie next. We, you and I, I have just, been watching plenty, so I mean, oh, uh, uh, that's a punishment for me. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Till next time, this is Brennan signing off. Saying thanks for listening and enjoy your movies. Thanks for listening to Films with the Women in My Life. If you enjoyed being a listener in our life, please rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Keep up with the latest from the show on Instagram at Brennan underscore podhost, on Facebook at Films with the Women in My Life, and on Twitter at Films Women Pod. Finally, you can email the show with questions and suggestions at filmswiththewomen at gmail.com. Original music for the show was created by Ian Burke and Chris Iwanek. Original artwork created by Nicole D'Alessio. This show is produced by Brennan Snyder. Thank you again for listening and enjoy your movies.